0: The production of this program is made possible thanks to the support of the following and viewers like you. Tech layoffs have been making the headlines. The numbers are staggering. According to TrueOps Tech Layoff Tracker, in 2022, through more than 1,400 rounds of layoffs, 220,000 people lost their jobs and the layoffs continued through January where another 107,000 people were let go. Then in February, the layoffs continued. Another 35,000 people were shown the door. The emotional and financial impact is devastating, especially considering the unprecedented growth in the sector between 2008 and now. People hired in 2009 experienced 11 years of summer, says Brian Pulliam, of refactor coaching. He goes on to say, don't lament the loss of your job despite the punch in the gut that it feels like. Refocus and find a new and better path. For some, that may seem insensitive, but Pulliam explains, for many in the tech sector, they are in golden handcuffs. They may not like their jobs, but the money is so incredible they feel handcuffed to the job rather than pursue a career that is more in keeping with their likes and values. Getting fired with severance, he says, can and often is a gift. I invited Brian Pulliam to join me for a conversation that matters about how to survive a tech industry layoff. Brian, welcome. Brian, the number of layoffs in the tech sector are staggering. You know, is is this a signal that the heyday of tech has come to an end? And if it has or hasn't, might it be wise for those in that field to consider uh, a variety of career options?
1: Interesting. So I would say that a heyday of tech is not over, but there is a seasonality to the job prospects that exist in tech and i think the best way to describe it is in terms of seasons for those that are game of thrones fans you know winter is always coming but in the tech industry it's been about 10 years of summer and the challenge there is if that you've entered the tech industry in the last decade you haven't known a winter that made it hard for you to find a job or where you had to worry about layoffs or you were worried about your compensation not being uh, gradually increasing from role to role so i can't really blame people for feeling the way they do if they haven't been in the tech industry for more than a decade this is all they've known and if all you've known is summer why would you prepare for winter but for those of us that have been in tech for 15 or 20 years that were around more for 2000 or 2008 uh, employment situations in tech I think this is just another example that during these times of feast, you should be setting aside uh, money building skills maybe starting a side gig in order for you to be ready for the when the famine comes next it's just not as predictable as it is for a calendar season
0: i can understand why somebody who's working in tech would could think uh well this is going to go on forever well because as you pointed out it was unprecedented 10-year just a boom period Um, but you can't also help but think that well everything about our lives now is connected to technology Um, so then there's another way of looking at this is just saying this is a way of realigning where you might fit in
1: yeah i think that's true there is a shift that's happened in the last 10 years for a lot of technology younger technology employees that the companies they worked for especially the higher tier one sort of what we call the fang companies which would be the facebook the amazon apple netflix and google have created an environment where work was a lifestyle and we ex- and those companies expect a lot from their employees in terms of how many hours they work so work was family and they would eat meals there and they had their friends there and for someone who Has eight to 10 years of experience to suddenly get laid off. They didn't just lose their job, they lost some of their close friends that they can't see every day. And now they've lost where they ate meals and the walks they like to go on on campus. And so I think it can be a challenge uh, for those that are younger. Uh, I do feel like preparing during times of prosperity is always a good idea uh there's a there's a great tiny book about this called who moved my cheese which talks about a tale of a few different mice and one of them found a large pile of cheese and noted it and then kept searching the maze looking for other sets of cheese while the other ones kind of basked in this gigantic pile of cheese and then woke up one day and realized they had eaten it all and they had lost all of this capability to go find uh cheese and the rest of the maze because they no longer had that skill set. So I think if you approach it with a sense of gratitude and build your skill set while things are going well, setting aside money for yourself in order to see where your career might go, and then just kind of asking yourself once a year, hey, what would happen if I did get laid off today or got laid off this quarter, and you're prepared for something that hasn't happened in a while, I think it gives you a real deep sense of confidence.
0: How do you share that lesson with people or that insight who haven't experienced it to help them prepare because I, you know I, I think there's a you know a significant group of people who who want to believe that we've we've removed the risks and dangers of life um, and yet you're saying no they haven't gone away you need to pay attention that there may still be a challenge over the horizon yeah.
1: It has a lot to do with sharing stories, you know, engineering, software development. It is uh, very much an apprentice craft. Uh, You know, you can go to a boot camp uh, or or go to college and learn some very basic table stakes skills that you need in order to enter the workplace to be a software developer, but learning how to be an engineer or working in tech, you learn from other people. And those people have a lot of stories. Uh, I have my own stories about being laid off from a job that I loved completely unexpectedly. Uh, I drained my 401k retirement account when I was 25 or 26. I paid off my car loan. I prepaid a year of rent upfront so I could negotiate a 30% discount on my rent. And I took the remaining money and I invested it into go getting a certification so I could be more employable as a software developer outside of game development. Now, you could look at that and say that's a giant failure because wow, that money would be worth $800,000 when I got to retirement. But I put it to use in a way that got me to where I am. So I think talking with those that have been in the industry more and asking, not necessarily for the rosy pictures, but for the things they've struggled through, I think any, even a tribe that's remote in the middle of nowhere, you know, we are passing down stories from generation to generation to help them be prepared for what they'll have to anticipate in life, I think we could do a lot more of that in the workplace as
0: well. Run that by me again. You, were, you took all of your money and invested it in your own future education and then made sure that uh, obligations were uh, covered for a period of time. What mm-hmm. gave you the foresight to do that, uh, especially when it is an unusual way to move forward when you've got a nest egg?
1: Yeah, so I, one of my, my very first real job in technology was as a game developer and I worked for a children's software company. Uh, I didn't have high expenses. I was saving, even in that first job, I was saving something like 26 to 30% of my income and putting it into 401k, you know, it didn't make a lot of money. So I could 30% uh, was under the federal limit for putting into a 401k and I had amassed maybe like 70 or $80,000 after five or six years. Uh, and, and then I unexpectedly lost my job. Uh, and I remember being traumatized by the whole thing. It probably took me six to 12 months to recover from that, both in terms of confidence and then in terms of figuring out, uh, what I wanted to do next. But I knew I had financial obligations. So I talked to people in my network. Uh, I talked to a a extended family member who was connected to the tech industry and asked effectively an elder. I said, what, what would you recommend I do? I could go get another job. I could do this. I could do that. And I considered a loan against my 401k. And I was advised against that. If you think you need this money, you should just take it out. And I started to do the math on it. And the math started to make sense as long as I could pay off my debt. You know, I had a car loan at 10% interest rate, which sounds unheard of now, but it was a very real thing back uh, in the late 90s, early 2000s and then prepaying my rent to get a discount, wow, that's real money I don't have to earn and I can, I, can, I can afford to stay in my apartment for 12 months. But all of these ideas came from a discussion I had uh, with an elder family member who said, you know, your, your earning potential is a lot higher than you might think it is. The longer you stay in this industry, you don't have to worry about this money. This money is what you should use to get yourself in a position of confidence I wouldn't worry so much about that money being something that's not there for your retirement. And he was absolutely right. But it was only because I had that discussion uh, with an extended family member and listened to their advice that I made the decisions I did.
0: So after losing that job in the gaming industry, where'd you go? Uh, uh,
1: A number of the people that worked at the same company that I did ended up all taking a, the same certification class. We had worked on a custom language, wasn't used anywhere else it was only for this company. And we had but we had software development experience. So we uh, uh, this was in the Puget Sound area, we all took a similar uh, certification course that helped prepare you for taking these tests to get what's called an MCAD certification certified applications developer, which was meant to be just like boot camps are today to just get your foot in the door. If you had taken the time to practice for this test, uh, and you had passed these exams, then it meant that they could assume you knew a little bit more than a college graduate. So I took that course, uh, passed those tests, and then got a job working as uh, doing contract work uh, for Microsoft and did that for about four to five years at different companies before eventually becoming an employee at Microsoft.
0: Uh, Did you experience another layoff?
1: Uh, I did there. I will, I have experienced probably five layoffs in my career, but I've only been impacted by two of them. So if there is any advice or guidance I could give to people who are going through their first layoff, especially if it's in the tech industry and it's recent, it is a lot more like being rear-ended in a car than it has to do with you, which is a really hard thing to understand when you see coworkers that have a job and you don't have a job and you wonder why. But I've survived layoffs that I shouldn't have survived where I don't feel like I was as capable as other people who did get laid off and uh, I haven't survived layoffs that um, that I feel like I maybe I should have so I don't know if I see as much rhyme and reason to the logic put behind a lot of these layoffs, because I've been through four or five. And now I just consider it something I need to be ready to do uh, and it's a part of working in tech.
0: So that's about keeping things in perspective so when we take a look at the fact that there's more than a hundred thousand people in tech in the last few months that have lost their jobs uh, Giving a bit of perspective. How does this round of layoffs compare to 2000 or 2008?
1: Yeah, the dot-com layoff was a million tech jobs lost, right? So take what we're experiencing now and multiply it by ten but I don't even think that tells the whole story because how many people worked in tech in 2000 I don't have that number handy, but I know it's less than today. So the percentage of people in tech that experienced a layoff event as a part of the dot-com bubble bursting is much, much higher. I think the reason it feels more painful now is just because it's been 10 years of summer, right? Everyone has, you know, conceptually not had to put even put on a jacket when it comes to their career. I remember talking with people two years ago, leaving one job and going to another and getting 40% raises, 60% raises. And this would happen year after year after year. It's hard to think defensively when everywhere you see, everywhere you look, all you see is abundance. Um, And I think that comes with some experience and also just how much reliance do you want to put on other people to be able to feel like you're in control of your career.
0: So while we focus in on that, significant number of people who lost their jobs I I think that there's a tendency to like stare at that and go oh my gosh am I next but the numbers from last year actually suggest that the uh, number of jobs in tech went up uh, significantly more than there were layoffs and so that comes back once again to uh, do you shift your focus and, 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 and zero in on the things that really matter?
1: Yeah you know, it comes down a lot to your goals. A lot of the news will always be inundated with uh, layoffs related to what we might call like a tier one or a tier two tech company. This would be the fangs of the world, you know, or the Stripe or the Amazon or the Microsofts, these companies that have commercials. Uh, There are a lot of tech opportunities out there that for companies that will never have a commercial that you'll see on television and in the geologic sense, Layoffs are a chance for tech uh, employees to go and find things that are more meaningful to them. Uh, There's a very common phrase in tech around compensation called the golden handcuffs, where you feel like you're making so much money, it would be financially irresponsible for you to leave. Some people stay at a tech company when they're miserable because they feel like this money is worth a trade-off for their happiness. And what they might not realize is in some cases, making 20 percent less and working for a company that they deeply believe in the mission for would make a world difference to them but they may have not felt that before you know they get out of school and they've only worked for a big tech company there's a good chance that this great tech migration of people getting laid off from more of a tier one company creates opportunities for lower tier companies that have a really strong mission to be able to acquire great talent and for those people to actually really love what they do Uh, it's hard to feel that way at the point at the time when you're getting laid off unexpectedly but yeah the the consolation prize is that a lot of those higher tech companies at least offer some form of severance so these people can go find something that is more in line with what they want to do going forward
0: well there's a line that i like to use when I'm not necessarily enjoying the pain that I may be going through, I tell myself, well, you never know when you're having good luck because you don't know what's around the corner that you wouldn't have seen if your circumstances hadn't suddenly changed. Uh, you found that, didn't you?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I would even take it a step further. You know, there is a book called the obstacle is the way, and it, it really is, a, it's a, it's a, it's a little bit of stoicism mixed in there as well. But the point is, this path that you're on and these obstacles that existed got you to where you are i don't know that i can look back at anything that's happened in my career and say i wish i had not gone through that but when everything's positive and this first negative thing happens that you weren't prepared for it's very easy to feel to either blame yourself you know engineers are they love solving problems and when a problem comes up that they didn't expect they like to do what's called post postmortem, right? More like this root cause analysis and say, well, how do we close this gap so it doesn't happen again? So if you take that engineering mindset and apply it to your career and say, well, I don't know that I will ever be able to avoid an unexpected layoff because that's what makes it unexpected. But the emotions and the stress and figuring out what to do financially, that is something I think I can prepare for. And sometimes if a layoff comes at a time when I'm not expecting it but I have an emergency fund set aside or I am networking or I'm interviewing once a year even though I love my job. I know a lot of people who interview even when they don't want to leave because it's a skill they want to keep up to date. And as it turns out, the last three jobs this person has had came at a time when he didn't need it. And now he's negotiating from a completely different position, not of desperation. of abundance and being able to say no to the things that aren't right for him so I I feel like if we take our engineering mindset that we've learned when we're writing code shipping features and apply it to our own career I think that goes a long way
0: so after your last layoff you created your own company you said okay I'm not going to put my fate in the hands of others you were going to go out on your own Uh, Yeah, Refactor Coaching was born. Tell me about your company uh, and what it is that you do.
1: Sure. So there's a concept in tech called blue-green deployments and it's very complicated, but conceptually it's simple to understand. If I have a feature or a website and it exists in a certain way and I wanna make a change so that I can make people buy more things on Amazon, uh, I will not flip a giant switch and send everybody to this new design. I will only send maybe 1% of all of the traffic to this new version and I will record metrics that I care about and measure it and I will slowly turn it up. So it's kind of like a dial, right? Where like 60% are getting this and 40% are getting the old version. I do that in a controlled manner so that if it's unexpectedly awful, I can turn it back down and everything's fine. So I take the same approach with, my coaching practice. I actually started my coaching practice six months before I got laid off. That was my 1% turn up. I said, well, I want to try this and see whether or not the people I serve find value in what I have to offer. The answer to that is unequivocally yes. Uh, I'm able to take my 26 years in tech and my 14 years in coaching and combine them in a way that a lot of engineering managers can't for their own individual contributors, the people that report to them. And when I started to see spending maybe one hour a day on this coaching that a lot of people were getting value from it. And I felt very fulfilled by it. I started turning it up from one hour to 90 minutes a day, and then 90 minutes to two hours a day. And so I was, I was in a position of making a pivot from full-time employment to this coaching practice before I even got laid off. And this I think is the lesson to learn that, Hey, the best way to have control over your situation is not to look at your career as picking a single stock, but what if your career was more like a mutual fund where it was a set of carefully curated different streams of income that come in. And some of them you make more money in at times and other ones you make less money. But if any one of them doesn't do well, it's not gonna significantly impact your ability to pay your mortgage, for example. So, in short, I I coach engineers and I coach PMs that want to be successful in tech. That usually takes the form of helping them with promotions or helping them land new jobs.
0: You know, as you're saying that, I think about a situation that I had a number of years ago where I was talking to somebody at a bank and I went, okay, so I'm a small business person. Uh, You'll lend a small fortune to somebody who works for me because they have one job, Yep. But you're reluctant to lend me the same amount of money because I'm running a small company. But I can demonstrate to you that I can get 50 jobs a year. Uh, yep. Why? And and I think it's uh, you know part of our mindset. We go well. You've got stability. You've got that one job with that one company. Uh, but it is an illusion.
1: It is. It absolutely is an illusion. And I think you know not everybody wants to have a side gig, and they don't have to. I I have many coaching clients that don't want to start a side gig, but I also have somebody who I've worked with that thought he wanted a promotion. And the more we talked about his values and his strengths and what his goals were and got those into alignment with each other, the more he realized that's not what he wanted at all. Like he was just unfulfilled by work. Now he has started a cloud co-op where he takes technical refugees that are highly uh, technical in nature that normally go to work at a meatpacking plant trains them to be cloud engineers and then create startups that give money back to the community and those refugees get to send money back to their home their families and home countries to create generational wealth like that's a night and day difference in terms of like his passion and what he wants to go do but it was only something we were able to discover after sitting down and talking with him but to your point that is not Like if you were to look and say, are you going to offer that guy money? And the answer would probably no if you're a bank, right? He's just starting this, just created the startup recently. But in terms of his fulfillment and what he wants from his career, there's nothing that could be better for him. It is a perfect fit for him. And it shows in the traction that he's willing and the work he's willing to put in to making that dream a reality.
0: So as the headlines were sort of pouring out of the papers, uh, over the last couple of months and you're watching this uh, stream of people who are clearly going through a a whole range of emotional and financial issues what was the number one thing that you wanted to be able to scream out to them and say hang on a moment (laughs) don't despair do this what what would that do this be
1: (laughs) yeah number one this feels like it's all about you and oftentimes it's just not you know, tech companies in particular, they have to come up with a set of rules that they apply consistently to identify who to lay off. And oftentimes there are false negatives and false positives in that result set. There are people who should be in that bucket that aren't for special reasons. And there are people that uh, shouldn't be in that bucket, but are. And so create a post-it note and put it on your monitor or on your bathroom mirror and say, This wasn't about me. This is not a reflection of my impact or my performance, because on the vast majority of cases, it's not even performance related. It is hard to digest that because you don't want to think you work in a field where you can get caught up in this unexpectedly without a good reason. But that happens a lot more often than you might think. It's just all happening at the same time. So that would be the first thing I would tell people is, it's not about you or your value. Secondly, uh, you know, there is this uh, saying that in, in, uh, in, I think it's in Mandarin, the, 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 the symbol for crisis and opportunity is the same, right? It just depends on the context that it's been used in. And so through this con- crisis, through this unexpected thing, you've been forced into what opportunities exist for you to go tackle something because you now won't longer have golden handcuffs or you've been forced into the unknown. How could you use this to the greatest benefit for what it is you want to accomplish? Is that starting your own company? Is it uh, working as a consultant? Is it relocating to a lower cost of living? Uh, I have colleagues that have used layoffs as opportunities to stay in different cities in the United States for one month at a time for 12 months in a row to go figure out where it is they want to live. And they do contract work in those areas. They wouldn't have been able to do that if they had that stable job that they had before. And so there are a lot of doors that you would never consider opening because you were constrained by what you used to have to do. And now those constraints might not be there, but you might need to talk with somebody to help you see those opportunities for what they are.
0: You know, Victor Frankl in his book, Man's Search for Meaning said, you can't control what happens to you, but you do have control over how you choose to respond. And I think that's what you're saying here. You you have a choice.
1: Absolutely. Uh, there, is a, uh, there is a book that Jack Canfield wrote called uh, Success Principles, and there's a teen version of this book that I've taken maybe over 120 people through when I was an athletics coach. And... One of the biggest takeaways from that is one of the earliest chapters talks about this very thing that Viktor Frankl mentioned. He boils it down to a a formula that says E plus R equals O. This event plus your response to that event is what creates your outcome. So if you learn to choose your response to events so that they benefit you as much as possible, you can find that you can change your outcome. Because if it was just about the event, everybody would be walking around feeling the same about everything. And that's just not true. There are times when people are enjoying themselves stuck in traffic because now they get to listen to that audio book that they always wanted to finish but never had time to. Or someone gets laid off and they'd save some money and they say, wow, I always wanted to go on a backpacking trip to Europe. I just got severance. I could spend a little bit of that money and just go take that trip I always was putting off. So if there are people responding to things differently, I feel like Viktor Frankl is right.
0: Okay, there's a little bit of an aside, but I saw in one of your posts, you have that thumbnail of uh, Maddie Patagon and his role in Inigo Montoya in The Prince's Pride, which I right. enjoyed that movie. You keep using that word, I don't think it means what you think it means. <laughs> What's the significance of you using that?
1: <laughs> yeah. So, you know, memes are a way to communicate with people. There are a fair amount of people in tech that are very visual learners, and I think I'm one of them. Looking at code all day, you can hide the fact that your verbal cognition isn't necessarily uh, might not be as high as your visual cognition and uh, finding a way to influence and educate and motivate people through uh, visuals and not just text is something I found a lot of success in. And people my age love that movie. I mean, come on, Princess Bride's amazing. So uh, but we use that phrase a lot in tech. When we're realized that your definition of a term and my definition of a term is just different. And so in this particular case, it was was a lot of people in tech, particularly PMs. I was a PM for 10 years, so I can I can say this about us. But uh, that think that priority is meaningful, that some that when you call something P1, which would be top priority or P2 or P3, that uh it is valuable in as much as how it relates to the other things on our list but if you give me a list with all p1 you're basically telling me that there's no priority because priority is a relative term compared to other items that are not and so when someone gives me a list of all p1 we would often say you know you keep using that word priority like i don't think it means what you think it means like like if everything's great like and nothing's bad, but there's no way to focus in on what matters. And a lot of tech is about focus and focus is about saying no to a thousand things. But if you give me a list where all of the priorities are the same, you're taking up space and you're not helping us figure out what to say no to. So sometimes we entertain while we also give feedback and say, "Mm, yeah, I don't think that word means what you think it means. So I'm actually a proponent of not using priority at all anymore. I just believe in stack ranking. Tell me what needs to be done now, and what needs to be done later, because priority is embedded in what you want me to do next.
0: Yeah, uh, you're right, but it comes back to focus. What are you going to? Uh, how are you going to look at uh, the situation, what the priorities are, and how you move forward? And it's exactly the same if you happen to experience a layoff. Do you look at it as a disaster? or as an opportunity. And when you look at it as an opportunity, you then start to lay out not one priority, but a variety of them that you say, this is now the the roadmap or framework that I can move forward with.
1: Absolutely, yeah, I don't think I could have, I know for a fact I would never have responded to my first layoff the way I responded to my second. My first one was traumatic, it absolutely was. It shook my confidence in all of this work I'd put into a company I felt like I had earned uh their trust and wh- how, you know why do i feel like i'm being betrayed what i'm going to do to be able to afford these things that i have financial commitments for but it did teach me to approach things in a different way you know there are other uh people i've worked with where i've been compensated very highly but i live more modest means so i could build these backup funds so that they would be available to me because that's what gave me the confidence um to be able to make the decision that was right for me i mean I'll, I'll let you in on a secret like i was two days away from volunteering from a layoff before i got laid off from my last company i was going to walk into my boss's office on a thursday and say there are people that report to me that really need this job and i make more money than they do and i don't think this is the right place for me and so if we're gonna have a layoff i'd like to volunteer for it and it turns out i never got to have that conversation two days before I could even volunteer i got laid off so uh did i know it was happening i had a sense layoffs were going to happen i didn't know if i was going to be impacted but the sense that i was prepared for it is why i was so confident going into it uh compared to maybe people others that others that weren't expecting it
0: well this is a, a thumbnail sketch of what one needs to go through in self-examination as they go through that process of having been laid off, but you're a great resource if they want more. So thank you very much for taking the time to have this conversation with me today. Sure, happy to help.